I can't hear myself. Oh, welcome to Real Faith. You were listening. <laughs> welcome to Real Faith Radio Show with Robbie and Tash. You were listening to Faith FM. Just uh, Robbie clearly, clearly experiencing some technical difficulties on his own terms there. That was me in the third person, by the way. So, how are you going today? I'm good, Robbie. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. It is so good to have you back, Tash. We're stoked to have you it's so on good to air be with us. We're stoked that you have you as part of the team for 2021. You. Uh, legend. We're super excited. We've had, for those of you that haven't heard Tash before, we've had Tash on before to trial things out and see how it went for her if she was interested and she signed up. So uh, I you, passed the test. That's what really happened. Well, yeah, let's be yeah. real. The test Wait, was pretty easy because, oh. you know, you're solid. You've got good skills. Thanks, Robbie. You, you love else, Jesus. And, uh, and do you want do you want more? Yeah, more. <laughs> I'll take all the affirmation I can get. <laughs> we all have friends like this. And if you don't have friends like that, you're that friend. You're that friend. No? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so what's been happening in your world, Tash? Give us like a quick 30-second update on what you've been up to since we last had you on the radio. Oh, so it's been a busy summer. I just got back into the state last week on Friday, but I was in Victoria. I did summer camps um, with, hang on, how old were they? 16 to 19 year olds in Victoria. Awesome. And then I went over to South Australia and I did summer camps there as well for 14 to 17 year olds over there. Awesome. So it was and good. Yeah. And what was the overall experience there? So this was a Christian summer camp. You were able to share the love of Jesus with people. It was amazing. I I shared a lot of things, was very honest. And um, yeah, I think some things have changed. Awesome. Which is good. So good. Praise the Lord. Good to be back. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great opportunity to minister to young people. When you've got people together for a longer space of time, I think it allows for deeper conversations and more real prayer and real study of Scripture. I think that's awesome. So praise the Lord for that. So... Um, Something that's been happening in my world is I celebrated my first wedding anniversary on Tuesday. Oh, wow. So, Congratulations. Super so you're not listening right now, Katie, because you're at work, but uh, happy wedding anniversary from Tuesday. You. We did celebrate, by the way. That wasn't like, this wasn't how I announced it to her. Okay. <laughs> just in case you're wondering. Um, but another thought quickly. Just this, uh, so, so today, mm-hmm. have you ever been like, oh, I'm looking at the time and I'm looking like we're going to run out of time before I get to really share this idea. But I want it's you okay. to think about this. And uh, the idea is this. Today, I was chasing Aircon to do a bit of work and I wound up in the shopping center just people watching. And you find some strange things when you're people watching, don't you? Oh, yeah, you do. All right. Well, we should talk about that a little bit more later if we have time. But the, uh, because, I mean, we could we could really get into that we for could. a long time. We but could. It was on my head. But anyway, we're gonna, I'm just going to plug the show for now because uh, Let's do we're it. running out of time. I want to yeah. plug the show. So we've got a great show lined up for you guys uh, today, guys. And uh, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be hearing from our good friend Cranville Tooley on a story for our Testify segment. It's going to be a great time. You won't want to miss it. This is Janine Orwa, Mirror, Mirror. Mirror, stop telling me lies You're making me despise The wonderful creation God made me to be Lord, help me recognize I'm precious in your sight Jesus, help me see your love for me. Mirror, mirror on the wall. 
kingdom is about to fall I will not listen to your lies My value lies in Jesus Christ His life he freely sacrificed To offer me abundant life He purchased me, he paid my price I'm precious in his sight Precious in his sight Mirror you won't defy the reason why I won't believe your lies so clearly now I see is love for me so mirror mirror on the wall your kingdom is about to fall I will not listen to your lies my value lies in Jesus Christ this life be freely sacrificed Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. Hello. I, to, I have to keep practicing because we've had guests in and just remembering the names. Anyway, be, uh, <laughs> before we get into our next segment, I just wanted to do a shameless plug for our question of the week segment, which comes up at the end of the show, a time where we get to try and answer some of your questions. So we would love to hear from you today. So if you've got any Bible questions or questions about God or spirituality or the journey, any of those kinds of things, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, the first caller in today is going to receive a free copy, again, of the book Acts of the Apostles, which is a commentary going through the book of the uh, the book of Acts and yeah. giving some you know some greater cultural context, et cetera, just to kind of help 
illuminate the picture a little bit more clearly. And uh, yeah, first caller in is going to receive a free copy of that. So send in your questions to 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And it has come that portion of the show to talk about the weird and And wonderful wonderful world. The weird and wonderful world. I love it. Well, so what do you is, have for us today, Tash? So what I have today is um, we mentioned earlier that I had gone away for um, the summer. And while I was away, I was only supposed to be gone for about three weeks. And I have, like most people have at the moment, houseplants or houseplants. Is that? Houseplants? Houseplants. Well, it depends on where you're from. If you're from where I'm from, it's definitely houseplants. But house we'll go with pl- both. I think they're both right. I'll say houseplants. <laughs> and I only have two houseplants. So I figured it's going to be okay over three weeks. Um, nobody needs to water them. That's okay. But then my three-week trip turned into a seven-week trip. And I was thinking, when I get home, there's going to be no houseplants. And, <laughs> well, when I walked in, they looked pretty sad. Very, very sad. But um, I left it in enough water. I just left it in the bathtub and I just kept filling it up <laughs> with water for the next was few days. Was this after when you got back? When I got back. So oh, nice. seven weeks. I love it. My pot plant had been sitting, both of them had been sitting in my room, closed, completely closed, no air, no anything. And um, I tried to rescue them. So I put them in the bathtub and I filled them up with water over a few days. And miraculously, they're alive. You. That's you. exciting. So that's my weird and wonderful fact. That's one of the facts for the week. Because um, if you look up any how to look up uh, how to look after your houseplants guide, yeah. it will tell you that between two and three weeks is the most that you can go without watering your plants. Yeah. And as I've proven, it can go seven weeks without watering your plants. <laughs> well, it might depend a little bit on the on the plant that you've chosen. I think it, I think it does. It might be depend. a little circumstantial. There are some. Yes. I think if it was if it was a cactus, it would have a much better chance of surviving. It would than, probably say, have a, a much, yeah, tree. Definitely. Um, <laughs> I don't recommend it though because all of the the how to guides do say um, between two and three weeks they shouldn't go out with water they shouldn't go without water. But I have a little list here that says so the plant that I have one of them is a peace lily and it says that you should be watering your peace lily lily within five to seven days. So at least once a week you should be watering your house plants. That's good to know. Yeah. So what are some? Do you know any of the advantages of like having house plants? Because I've heard. I've heard that there are advantages health wise. They are good for the air. Ah, this is yeah, what I've heard. They are. So, so is it? Do they? What? How are they good for the air? Do you know? Because I don't know. Uh, I'm curious. They, they do things. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Doctor Google didn't tell you that much no, I didn't look about that, that particular part. I was well, just well, concentrating right. on the water part. If anybody's listening who knows what benefit there are to the air of having house plants in your house. Yeah. We would love to hear about it. We so would please love text to hear that in to yeah. 0491-064-669. We'd love to hear it if you have the answer. Otherwise, maybe Dr. Google will tell us in the break. This is true. That's super cool. Yeah. Awesome. But I also know um, that you shouldn't put houseplants like right next to where you're sleeping because they might suck up all the good oxygen that you're trying to breathe while you're sleeping. Really? Yeah. I thought they sucked up CO2. So they suck up the, the bad stuff, but they might suck up all the good stuff too. Ah, interesting. That is very weird. It's That's, weird, it's a isn't little it? bit surprising. Yeah. What they told me in primary school doesn't seem to be accurate. So, um, was that I don't the know. was that the one where you yep. you fart and then the trees take it and then when they fart you you breathe them with they? No fart. one ever said no. that word. No, it was <laughs> no, breathing. Was it? Definitely breathing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, 
It's you know, really weird. Sorry. So one thing that I find really interesting about about plants. So yeah, I'm, I really struggle. Like uh, when when we were dating, my wife and I, my wife gave me like 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 a herb garden. She was like, "You you love coriander, which we call cilantro, um, which is the Spanish I love name the for accent it, that goes um, yeah. and some other things like basil." Yeah. And I just I had a really hard time keeping any plant that she gave me alive. And I've I've learned that. Whatever that time frame is in which you're supposed to water them probably does count for something. Yeah. Because I failed at that miserably. But the, see, the thing I, that that like blows my mind about house plants is yeah, they they seem to be more effort, right? Like you got to remember to plant them. You got to remember to keep them in a place where there's sunshine. It's so easy to forget these things. It's true, and it, some some people just buy them for aesthetic purposes and not just. For, they do make just, places look. They nicer. make look. They look really good. Yeah, and this then, is why you find them in females' houses generally, because on a bell curve, I think females tend to be a little bit more like focused on aesthetics, uh, making a place feel yeah, homey and look nice. Where in my experience, and it's a little bit more stoic, air. and there's uh, there's basically just no decorations in my entire house. Yeah, and then that's I got married, and now it looks much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> so things, that's pretty good. Things, things now live in your house. That's pretty good. That's good. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Tash, for telling us some weird and wonderful facts about houseplants. So if you're at home and you've got houseplants, we encourage you to keep them watered. This is Chris Rice, My Cathedral. Sweetest days of childhood, playing in the deep woods. Stomping through the creek and feeling oh so much alive Camping in the forest, we join the cricket chorus And hum our songs of gratitude around a crackling fire And out here in the stillness, I found my house of worship With column trees and canopy of stars Cathedral. It was beneath the blue skies I ran down to be baptized I felt the river wash me clean Dried beneath the sun and To this day believing When wide awake or dreaming I scan the ancient sky And understand where I belong out here in the stillness I find my house of worship With column trees and canopy of stars Here in my cathedral This is where I find my soul Out where holy men of old First knelt in soul And thanked you for the rain Wrote the psalms that fill the air Herald angels sang their prayer Out beneath your darling constellations So let me often wander In robin song and thunder Surrounding me with stained glass leaves That change with every breeze And out here in the stillness Find my house of worship with column trees and canopy of stars here in my cathedral.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, just before we get into our Testify segment, one more shameless plug. Uh, We'd love to hear from you with your questions about God, about the Bible, about spirituality. And you can do that by calling in 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us at 491 Zero six four double six nine, and our first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a book called Acts of the Apostles, which is a commentary on the Book of Acts in the New Testament, which follows a lot of the life of Paul. So we've got our good friend Cranville Tooley in the radio today. How are you going today, Cranville? I'm going well. Yeah, oh, that's excellent, good. excellent. So it's super good to see you. Super Thank good you. to have you in here, and uh, we just love to hear a little bit more about about yourself. So so tell us just briefly, who are you? What do you do with yourself? Well, I'm a human being. That's a good start. Is that a good start? It is a good start. <laughs> <It is> good. <laughs> I'm also a pastor for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I have a, a wonderful job. I'm a pastor to all the pastors. That's very cool. We have about 70-odd pastors in North New South Wales, and it gets my job to look after them all. That's very cool. So you get to deal with pastoral care for the people who are looking after and supporting all of these ministries that are happening in local churches. Yep. And, uh, man, I bet you get some, some difficult circumstances at times, but also some real, some real blessing stories, I imagine, I as do. well. I love my job, and I'm greatly blessed by it. Awesome. Well, I'm blessed by your job as well, seeing as I'm one of those dudes. So, <laughs> Look awesome. Me. Well, you were going to share with us, I believe, a story about prayer, mm-hmm. and we'd love, to, we'd love to hear it. You know, prayer is so awesome, isn't it? You know, you can be anywhere, anytime, any situation, and you can offer up a prayer and you know that the the creator of the universe listens and understands and reacts according to his will. Um, what you what you pray for, you don't always get, you know. But it's good to pray. That's and, right. Uh, maybe God has other ways of, um, of uh, manipulating or working with the prayer that you request for the benefit of others. And this is one of those stories, I guess, um, when I uh, when God called me to do to enter into the ministry, um, I was working on a sheep station at the time, and I had a very good friend who was my wife's cousin, and he was really concerned that if I went to this uh, college to train for ministry here in Australia, because you can tell by my accent that I'm a Kiwi, and, uh, and he was concerned that going over the big ditch to the Theological College of Australia that I would get off the rails. So he decided that he would do the best that he could, could, and he bought this beautiful big King James Bible, and the King James especially, so that you know that was a good word, and uh, it was a study Bible. It was a beautiful Bible. I loved that Bible, and I took it to class with me every day until I lost it, and it was only six months into college when I lost this Bible. It must have cost him a fortune because it was leather-bound, it was beautiful pages, it was gold around the edges, you know, one of those real good Bibles. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I would really love to get my Bible back. Not only did my best friend, but my wife's cousin buy it for me. But it was a beautiful Bible. It was a lovely study Bible. But, you know, I prayed that for quite some time, but it never came back. And um, so I finished my theological training. I... um, was called to serve in New Zealand, and I was in New Zealand for 10 years. So by now, I've been missing the Bible about 13 or 14 years. 
by this stage, of course, I've given up praying. <laughs> you know, I don't want to pester God on this. <laughs> I'll leave this alone. <laughs> you know, he knows where it is. So I got this call one day while I was sitting in, uh, in New Zealand, and uh, it was uh, the president of the Northern Australian Conference, and he said, Cranville, we'd like you to leave your fair country and come to Northern Australia to work for us. And uh, that was a big decision to up, up, uproot the whole, you know, family and sell a house and sell your goods. And, but we, find, we ended up in Northern Australian Conference. And um, they put me on to the executive committee, which is like a board of directors um, on the conference. And I'm sitting there and we're having worship. And um, I, I'm... I got my Bible out, and, I, and the guy next door to me, um, he got his Bible out, and it looked so much like the one I had. And I said, where'd you get that Bible from? He said, oh, years ago, he said, I bought it in the marketplace down at Avondale. Really? I said, oh, can I have a look at it? It's such a lovely Bible. And I looked at it, and uh, it had my name written in it. <laughs> and I said to him, do you know this character? He said, I wouldn't have a clue who this character was. I said, that's my name. And he looked at me, he said, is that your name? I said, yeah, that's my name. I said, you got my Bible, can I have it back, please? And he said, no, I'm not going to give it back. And for the next three years, I kept haggling this guy to get my Bible back, but he wouldn't give it back because he had fallen in love with it, but more importantly, he had fallen in love with God's Word. Amen. You know, and, I, and I couldn't really get that upset at him because he'd fallen in love. He still got that Bible, mine's away. He won't give it back. <laughs> but, you know, God wanted him to have that Bible because it was a conversion experience for him. He had fallen in love with God's Word, and what could I do? Amen, man. So sometimes our unanswered prayers turn out to be the answered prayers for others. That's a beautiful story, Cranville. Thank you so much for sharing. This is Anna Beaton. Hope, Patience, and Prayer. Lift your head, little one. Lift your eyes to see the sun Lift your heart and burden soul Oh, rejoice in hope Lift your head, little one Lift your
Interested in improving your parenting skills? What about learning how to pray? Maybe you're interested in living well and radically improving your health. Station partner Hope Channel Australia has a variety of free online courses to help you grow physically, mentally, and spiritually. Visit hopechannel.com forward slash au to find out more. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and we're about to get into our Bible study portion of the show, which I absolutely love because, man, what beats getting into God's Word? I think it's amazing. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into that, I'd just like to start with a word of prayer. But before we do even that... I'd like to just do another shameless plug. So oh, yes. we'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love some more questions to come in. And uh, you can call in with your questions to 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. And so we'd love to hear some questions come in about the Bible, about God, about spirituality, whatever. If you had some questions from any of our recent shows or anything else, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, before we get into the Word, we just want to have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just want to ask that your Spirit would be with each of us who are in the studio and those who are listening, and that you would speak to our hearts today. Father, my favorite passage of Scripture is what we're going through today, and it contains profound truths, and we pray that it would impact each heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's do a little bit of recap. Um, so a couple weeks ago, we started with the the background of the Philippian church, which in short was started by Paul, and immediately after it was started, Paul became the recipient, him and Silas, of persecution. He was stripped naked in the street, flogged, and then thrown into prison, and then when he was let go of prison, they begged him to leave their town. So this was the founding of the Philippian church. It was born in a hostile environment, and it was born... In a, in a position of persecution, and we find through the letter of Philippians, which Paul is writing to those believers in the city of Philippi, which is in modern-day, well, Macedonia, Greece, close to modern-day Greece, um, or within, I can't remember exactly where the boundary is, and this group of believers was also experiencing persecution. So last week we dealt with chapter one and talked about Paul's introduction and some amazing things there. If you'd like to hear that, you can hear that on the Faith FM website and you can go back and check that out again. And now we're coming into Philippians chapter two, which is, oh, oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I've been I can't waiting wait like, either. And, I'm, and I said to Robbie earlier, like there's so much in here. Are we going to be able to do all of it today? I don't know, but That's okay. it's going to be amazing. Okay. God's going to bless. So... Just before we get into this, um, the the passage finished off just before, because, it, it, well, well, chapter 2, verse 1 starts with the word, therefore. And for, for all of you out there who 
perhaps are new to bi- studying the Bible or anybody who's in that kind of experience, you, a friend of mine says it this way, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to ask the question, what's it there for? And I think that's a very helpful way to remember it. That is because, a very helpful because way to remember Because therefore is, yeah. is, is a word that we use as a follow-on from a previous idea. So we say, da, 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 da. Therefore, because of this, da, 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 right? So you see this a lot in Paul's writings. Mm-hmm. And this is what makes reading Paul very difficult to just pick out a point in, in, in its own because so often his train of thought goes a long way back. But just for a little bit of clarity, um, before in the paragraph before, he's talking about letting your conduct be worthy of the good news of Jesus. And he affirms them to stay fast to that in the midst of persecution. And then he says in verse chapter 2, verse 1, he says, therefore, and that's where we're going to start. So if you could read the first four verses for us, Tash, that would be amazing. Yep, so we're in Philippians, which is in the New Testament, one of the small books, and it's starting in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Oh, it's so good. So what's he talking about here? What's going on? Well, he's just saying, he's saying, hey, look after each other. It's unity, pretty much what he's saying. Okay, so this is fantastic. This this is the starting point. So when we're getting into Philippians chapter two, Paul's making an ethical statement. Yeah. He's saying this is this is the way that we as followers of Jesus need to operate in the midst of persecution. Mm-hmm. Therefore, because of this persecution, because of this, right? If there is any consolation in Jesus Christ, if there is any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, he says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Now, Mm. this is a profound statement, right? Because he's talking about Christian unity, as you're talking about here. He's saying this group of believers in the city of Philippi, we need to to all be like-minded. But but like-mindedness is not necessarily always a good thing. That's right? true. You can look at the at the world all over the place, and you can see places where people are like minded mm-hmm. in bad things. Yeah. Right. Gang violence. There's a group of people who are like minded, but they're committing violence and crimes against humanity. Right. Like these are problems, and you can fall into the trap of what's called group think, which means because the group thinks it, it is therefore correct or right. And that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not saying that being unified necessarily is the answer to everything. But he's talking about being a certain kind of like-minded. And we're going to find out in a moment what that kind of like-minded is. But before we get any further, I just want to, I just want to get a little geeky on you. Um, have you studied Greek yet? Because you're studying theology. I have, Roby. Have you? Oh, good. I haven't technically. Well, I've, I studied it a it little was, bit before. I'm doing it, was it again last this year, semester. So we, okay, we'll, so. Yeah, let's brush up on it. All right. So we're going to get a little geeky here. But hopefully this will not go over anybody's head. And we'll try and make it clear. In the Greek... Yep. The word is proneo, and the word means to have understanding, to think, and properly it means to regulate from within your inner pers- uh, as inner perspective shows itself in corresponding outward behavior. Okay, so let me let me break that down again because that was big fancy words to yep. say. Properly, it means to think 
inside in such a way that it leads to outward expressions of behavior that are in accordance with what you thought. So in other words, have values that get acted out in your real life. I was just about to say to have the same values, which translate into how, how they, yeah, that's exactly how they live, how they, so it's not, you're going to go back to the like-minded, aren't you? Mm. Yes. Well, Well, go for it. Say, say what you want to say. So it's not thinking the exact same thing, but it's having the same core values, or the same Ooh. core principles Ooh. that we work out of. And we, I actually just did a sermon on this very topic, not from this passage of Scripture. But okay. if you'd like to check that out, go to our Facebook page, Coast Life Adventist Church NSW, facebook.com slash Coast Life Adventist Church NSW, like New South Wales, because yeah. there's another one. <laughs> nice. But check that out. Yeah. But we're doing a series right now called Value Shift. Mm. And we're talking about that very thing. So if you'd like more information on that, you'd like to hear some stuff, go check that out. But the idea that's underneath this is powerful. He's saying, let the same mind be in you. And we're about to go there. Yeah. But he says that like-mindedness that you're supposed to have is not just an intellectual thing. The like-mindedness that he's talking about is value-based. It's what your deep-seated beliefs are that lead to your attitudes and then and, to your actions. Yeah. And for Paul, mm-hmm. and this is the, this is the, the, the genius of Paul, is that he always takes his ethics back to the front, or in other words, back from his theology or his belief about God in Jesus. Yeah. And his his beliefs about Jesus always lead to ethical decisions. It always leads to actionable behavior. And this is the point. He says, let you have the same mind, mm. right? Not thinking more of yourself than of others, but humbling yourself and not just caring about your own interests, but have the same mind and be united in caring more about others than you even care for yourself. Now, that is like the total opposite of what we hear in our modern society, right? Yeah. It's like we need to just care about ourselves, take care of ourselves, get the nine to five happening. It's all about I. Get the yep. six figure job, get the 2.5 kids, get all this. I'm amassing mm. my own empire. But this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, no, 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 no. That's mm. mistaken thinking. Be united in a different kind of thinking that leads to different kinds of actions. Mm. Oh, so good. That's amazing. Okay, now the reason this is so amazing is because the next, but, but, but before we get there, is it follows on to a question. Well, what kind of values or actions are going to lead to those actions? What are the values he's talking about? Because he hasn't said that yet. He's kind of talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Conduct of love, right? But what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. And now we come into my favorite passage in the whole of the Bible, and we're going to read verse 5 through verse 11. Before we get there, Robert. Oh, make your point. Make your point. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's okay. I just want to add, um, just adding to people want to change attitudes and behaviors, but and they're only temporary when you do change them. Like you can change. I'm trying not to lie. I can change that for a small amount of time, but at the you need to change what's at the core. What is driving all of these things? What is at? What is your value? What is your principle? And I love that it says the fellowship of Christ because Paul reminds us that is it's the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us that he wants to in response he wants to have the same relationship with others. Mm. So I think it's oh it is profound. It's profound and so now, profound. But now we're going to lead to the best. Oh, and that good. that point right. oh we could we could preach sermons and sermons on that the idea that in order to really change behaviors yeah you have to deal with values. And values, again, are your deep-seated beliefs that shift how you think and feel and then behave, right? 
this is why so many people get one addiction under control and wind up popping up into another addiction, right? Mm-hmm. I stop drinking, but then I start doing something else. Yeah. I stop looking at porn and then I start getting into this other thing, right? Like this is a constant problem yeah. because if you don't deal with the core underlying issue, yeah. you're going to, you'll, you'll cut off the fruit, but the more fruit will come. Mm-hmm. You got to deal with the root issue, not the fruit issue. Ugh. If you deal with the root, the fruits will take care of themselves. That's, that's powerful. That's quotable. You got to deal with the fruit. We got to deal with the root issues to to change the fruit issues. That's right. Is that yeah? Well, oh. well, it's close enough. I don't remember what I that's said. That's good. It's recorded. It's okay. Okay. All right. So let's read on from uh, Philippians chapter two, verse five through verse eleven. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Okay, we're going to take a, uh, just a moment there because I think it's, it's a huge thing. This, this, is the, the, I, this is the centerpiece of Philippians. This is the poem that Paul writes out of which the rest of Philippians comes. And it all makes sense because of this passage. But that passage is a little complex and hard to understand. And I think some of the translations are a bit difficult. So first of all, what in the world does it mean that Jesus, who was in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God? This is a, this is a confusing statement. And most of the translations I find don't help me so much. But there's one translation of this that I just it, it just sheds the clearest light, I think, in understanding it. So this is from the New Revised Standard Version. He says this. He says, let the same mind... Be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then he explains that mind, that mindset, that belief system, the values, the character. This is what it is. He says, who? Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Right? Mm. In other words, it's saying Jesus understood his divinity. He understood that he was equal with the Father. He understood this. It, it wasn't that he was trying to pretend. It's, it's that he actually understood who he was, that he was divine. But he didn't regard his status as divine as something to be exploited or used for his own advantage. It says this is, this is it. Jesus was above all, right? Jesus is above all created things because he is the one who made all things that have been made according to John 1, 1 to 3. But then he says this, he says, but he didn't use that for his own advantage. He didn't exploit it, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself yet again and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Whoo! We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break that apart in a moment, but let's keep reading because it's not just Jesus stepping down, stepping down, stepping down, which we're going we're gonna to break that apart and we're going to look at that in more detail. But then there's also a therefore. So let's read the next three verses. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, I get goosebumps when I hear this. I love this. This is, this is amazing. Okay. So what's, so, so let's give a quick summary, just a brief, like 10 second, 15 second summary. What is this passage saying? 
what is this passage saying? It's ten seconds. I just like he went down, <laughs> and now he's bringing him back up. It's like okay, he, he's just like you, but he's not like you. <laughs> so Jesus is stepping down and stepping down and stepping down in order to lift others up. Yeah, and he steps down to the lowest place, and because he stepped down to the lowest place. He is raised back up, back up, back up, back up to the very highest place. This is Ron and Patty Valen. Done through strife for vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be And took upon him the form of a servant And was made in the likeness of men Found in fashion as a man He humbled himself to the death of the cross Became obedient unto death Nothing be done through strife for vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we are just going through my favorite passage in, in the Bible, um, which I know is a hard thing to say. It's a big thing to say. You're having some serious trouble with those headphones, Tash. It's all right. You, you just got to fold them that way. It's all right. So, Whoops. I'm not <laughs> having some technical any- difficulties. Um, Okay. Yeah, so we're going through my favorite passage in all of Scripture, which is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. We're about to break down why... That is, and why it's so incredibly profound. But before that, we'd just like to encourage you, if you've got any questions about God, the Bible, spirituality in general, anything that you'd like to, to shoot our way, um, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that by calling in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. All right, so we've just read... Philippians 2, 5 through 11. So notice why it starts. Let's start breaking this down. Okay. He says, let the same mind be in you that was in who? 
That was in Jesus Christ. That was in Christ Jesus. I love this. So when we talked about being unified before, that same-mindedness, that like-mindedness, whose mind are we supposed to be united with? With Jesus' mind. Jesus' mind. So this is not, you, you can't just say being united is good in and of itself. It can be good or it can be bad. We've seen that through history. The Nazis were very united, but it yeah. was not for good things. Jesus' disciples became united mm-hmm. for the mission and the sake of Jesus, just sharing the good news. And this is a good thing. So, right, you see that difference. So the, the key here is it, it is Jesus' mind, which begs a question. What is in the mind of Jesus? Oh, that's a good question. Ruby. It's a great question. That's a great question. But the reality is, it's right there. It is here. So let's start breaking it down. All right, so the first half of this is talking about Jesus stepping down, right? Yeah. So so what do you notice in there? Any thoughts? Are we looking at verse 5? Yeah, verse 5 through 8. Um, first of all, this is who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So you were saying earlier that... Um, um, he wasn't using, or wasn't exploiting um, the fact that he was God or using that power or his divinity against anybody or anything. He, he still came as a human being, even though he was in his divine, he was human and divine mm. at the exact same time. I'm still, sometimes I wonder how that happened, but that's, that's I think, how it came. I think every theologian in the history of the world wonders that. <laughs> yeah, because he's holy, holy divine and holy human at the exact same time. Um but yes, to be able to come into a space with us so that we can understand what it was like to be like God. Yeah. I love this. I love it. So you got you got more to say? You look like you were halfway through a sentence and thought. I'm not sure. Okay, cool. Okay, so so At th- all. Oh sorry. Even to the points where it says of no reputation, taking the form of a bonsam and coming in the likeness of men. So he came, yes, so that we could understand he could understand. He could show us his humanity, but he even went one step further to be a bond servant, mm. so a slave essentially. I love it. Yeah. So good. You're making an incredibly profound point. Here we have. A, the, let's go through the steps. Yeah. Right. It says he 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 was not willing to exploit it to his advantage. Right. Mm-hmm. He did not. Who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Mm-hmm. Point number one. He knew who he was. Yeah. Right. Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that humility equals self-deprecation, which means to put yourself down. Jesus wasn't putting himself down in the sense of saying, "Oh no, I'm not good. I'm I'm not who I am. I'm not I'm not perfect. I'm I'm not the the, the you know the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form." No, no, no. He did none of that. Yeah. He recognized who he was fully. That's not what humility meant. And I love this line. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Right? And nice. this, I love that. Because this is what Jesus is doing. He's, he's yeah. not saying, oh, I'm not who I said I was. Oh, I'm not. Th-. No, no. He says, I'm the son of God. And when he prays to God in John 17, he says, you know, reveal, reveal that glory to these followers that, that I had with you before the world was made. Right? He knows who he is. But, but, I think this this story helps to illustrate this. He's he's willing to then step down. He doesn't consider himself above servant work, which really should be done by his creatures. He's willing to do things that are that that we might consider beneath him because it's not about being powerful and glorious for the sake of it. He's a servant in heart. So check this out. Right, I was studying at this place and um, 
the the owner of this set English I was learning to teach English as a second language and uh one day in the elevator at this this school facility I met this dude and he was chatting with me how you going oh how are you finding things da, da 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 and I find out that this guy is uh the owner of the company like he's the owner of the school and I reflected back to a time where I came downstairs and I saw this guy chatting with students seeing how they were going and then he saw rubbish on the floor in the common room. He'd pick rubbish up and he'd put it in the bin and he'd push the chairs in and he'd tidy things up. Now, here's a question. He's the owner of the school. Does he pay people to do that job? Yes. Yes, 100%. Yeah. He had cleaners who come in every he day. He has a staff, yes. Yeah. Right? But he didn't think that it was beneath him to do that work for the sake of the good of the school. Mm. Now, this is a very small connection, but this is a little bit of an example of what Jesus is doing. He's saying there are... I, I'm the king of the universe. Everything exists because I spoke it into existence. And yet, hold on a moment. I'm not too big to actually step down and do these things. I'm going to lower myself to something that some would say is beneath me for the sake of lifting others up. And I love that because that's the starting point of the character of God as described in this passage. Jesus is divine, and this is what the heart of divinity looks like. And then he steps it down. So point number one, Jesus is God. And he's willing to step down from his position to, in order to, to, to lift people up, to save broken humanity, rebellious humanity. So check this out. So God then steps down and he becomes a creature. Not only does he become a creature, but he becomes a member of the fallen human race, the rebel race. Not only does he do that, but he's born, which means that he comes as a child, not, not like a genius, not an adult, not the highest of society, but he comes as a baby totally helpless, and not a rich baby, not a middle-class baby, a poor baby, right? So he's stepping down, and then he's stepping down, and then he's stepping down. But not only that, but he humbled himself to become obedient, right? Totally obedient to the Father, right? Look, he's living out this perfect obedience, totally submitted to God's will. Not only that, but in a sense, he's becoming obedient to the people who are actually trying to kill him, right? Because he doesn't fight back against that. So check this out. He becomes obedient, not, not just obedient a little bit, but to the point of death, not even just death, right? The God of the universe submitting to death is an insane idea. But not only that, he submits to crucifixion, which is by the Jews to be hung on a tree meant you were cursed. It says that in the Old Testament. Uh, I can't remember offhand where exactly. We could look that up. But the point is he was dying a cursed death. Jesus is willing to step down and step down and step down and step down and step down in order to lift others up from the degradation and the depths of sin to give a way for salvation. This is the heart of Jesus. This is servanthood. This is the servanthood that he's calling to shift into our value system so that we may look like this to the rest of the world and that we may glorify Jesus and others may see Jesus more clearly and be brought to him and also be saved and raised up because of Jesus' humble servanthood. This is mind-blowing. Like, if that doesn't, like, rock your socks off, I don't know what will. This, is, this blows my mind. It's amazing. And how important is this? It's essential, absolutely essential. Do you have thoughts before I, uh, otherwise I'll preach no, to I'm, Sorry. No, 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 <laughs> keep going, keep going, Robbie. I'm just blown away. It's, it's so just, amazing. It's so amazing. Now look at this. You might be able to say to the Jewish mind of the first century, you'd be like, well, yeah, but but look where that led. It led to his death. 
And the whole world could then look and say, well, if this is God's way, God's way leads to failure, not to victory. It leads to weakness, not to power. And it leads to loss, not to overcoming. But check this out. That's not where the passage ends. What did it say in verse 9 through 11? It said, therefore. Now, what's the therefore, therefore? (laughs) Right? (laughs) The therefore is therefore this purpose to say that because of all of this, God also highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and gave him the name that is above. Notice the upward trajectory. Exalt is to lift up. Gave him the name that is above every name. He's lifted up so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend. That means he's above them in heaven. So he's above those in heaven, on earth, above those on earth, and under the earth, the dead. He's even above all that have been created. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of who? Of God the Father. Of God the Father. So he says this. He says, look, Jesus stepped down and stepped down and stepped down and stepped down. He became the crucified Messiah. The total opposite of what we expected. He flips the whole idea of what power is on its head. And this is the result, that God lifts him up above everyone else. And after stepping down to the bottom of the bottom, God lifts him up to the top of the top, and everyone is going to bow. Even his enemies will bow at the feet of Jesus and confess that he is Lord. To whose glory? To God's glory, because Jesus is the character of God embodied in flesh. That's like, oh man, sorry, I probably just heard someone's ears, but I just can't lose. It's just amazing. And the visual, the visual that we can, uh, you can paint, you can actually see that in your mind, how God, Jesus is actually lowering himself. And then again, as he's being lifted up, um, what an amazing, what an amazing way to paint and to see just this hope that Jesus has for us. Oh, wow. I also, man, there's, there's so much here, but I just... It is interesting that God has given it to him as well. So therefore, therefore, we see God is highly exalting him. Boom. He's not even the one exalting himself. He's not even the one exalting himself. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of God. The father is lifting up the son and in his lifting up the son, rather than lifting up himself, the son is lifting him up because he represents the father. This is so profound. Sorry, I hope that's not too like theological for people, but like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Why is this so amazing? I believe that this passage is the kernel that contains the whole of the gospel truth most succinctly. This is why I love this passage so much, because it shows the heart of Jesus so incredibly clearly. It shows the story of the gospel. Now, this is not everything, obviously, but it's a kernel that holds the core, Mm -hmm. right? Now, check this out. So it shows who God is, which means that the battle between good and evil over the character of God is one on this very demonstration. God is who he says he is. He is love, right? God is rightly the ruler of the universe. His ways are the right ways, right? You see all of that. But then not only this, remember, what was the first line? Let the same mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, which means it's not only the story of salvation. It's not only the story of the writing of of the universe. It's also the story of the sanctifying of God's people and the change that takes place. Yeah. And so for those that aren't familiar with that word, sanctify beads to be made holy, to be made more like Jesus, essentially. And it's the change that the Holy Spirit is working in us on a daily, regular basis to shape that image in our lives so that our lives look less like the devil and more like, like Jesus, Jesus. Right? Yeah. Oh, so good. I feel like this whole Bible 
that he's going to finish on this verse or something. Like I'm looking at the time and thinking, man, how are we ever going to get into any of the rest of the chapter? But before we move on, because I think this is just too crucial. There's an incredible contrast that was shown to me years ago that just changed everything for me. Not only is the character of Jesus demonstrated in this, but this is an exact opposite. It's a direct contrast to another passage in the Old Testament about someone else's character. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 21, it actually talks about the character of Lucifer, which was the name of the angel who became the devil, right? So this is the character of Satan, right? The, the opposite, the opponent of God, the accuser is what that name means. And so this is talking about the devil. Now check this out. Watch what direction the devil's intentions were. So Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. Do you want to read that for us, Tash? Sure thing. Okay. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I Notice will, the direction, right? You've said in your heart, watch this. I will ascend into heaven. Up. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Up. I will also sit on the mounts of the congregation. Up. On the furthest side of the north. Up. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Up. I will be like the most high. The highest position in the universe. Satan's aspirations, in when he was an angel in heaven, he says, I will go up, 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 up. Now, guess what? If I'm going to go up and take the place of even God himself, that means I have to put others down. Wow. The, 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 the desire of Satan, Satan's way is the total opposite of Jesus' way. And the passage goes on to say, not only that, but that the devil will be cast out, will be put down put down, put down, and ultimately destroyed. And he says there are two ways in life. There's Jesus' way and the devil's way, and they are total and complete opposites. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of, of a servant being. Made in human likeness And being found in appearance as a man He humbled himself by becoming obedient To death, even death on a cross Therefore God Exalted him to the highest place And gave him the name that is above every name That at the name of Jesus every nature 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You're listening to Faith FM Radio, and we uh, are deep into a study of Philippians chapter 2, which is a letter written by Paul in the New Testament. But before we get back into our last session for this Bible study, we just wanted to uh, do another final plug before uh, we go to the news later, um, before we get into our question of the week portion, which is a time where we deal with questions that you ask, um, questions that you'd like us to explore about God, the Bible, spirituality, etc. So... We just wanted to encourage you, if you have any of those questions, we'd love to hear from you. They could be big questions, small questions. We'll do our best to answer those faithfully from Scripture. And uh, you can do that by calling 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. All right, so we've just been talking about this passage. So the basic summary so far is that Jesus, well, Paul is saying, let the same mind be in you, not just individually, yes, individually, but also as a body of believers that was in Christ Jesus. And then he explains that by essentially saying, Jesus stepped down in order to lift others up, and therefore he is lifted up to the highest position. Yeah. And we contrasted that just a moment ago with Satan's way, which is to put others down in order to step himself up, and that the ultimate end of that way of thinking, believing, and doing results in stepping down all the way to destruction. Mm. And this is really essentially what is at the core of God's way versus Satan's way. And it's it really reveals the character of the people, right? It reveals God's character, what love looks like, humble servanthood for the sake of the salvation of others, versus Satan's way, which is to build myself up, puff myself up with pride, to take other people out to take their position from them. Mm. And this is like we see this at play all the time. If you take this principle and you start to think through your life, you will see this at play all over the world, all over your life, all over different places. You see it in films, you see it in books, you see it in people's lives. It's crazy. But it's it's really the fundamental question, isn't it? It is. It's hectic. Now, one other quick thought before we move on, and then we, we will move on because otherwise we'll never get, get past this section, uh, which I'd be totally fine with. But um, <laughs> one other thought that I just wanted to share is that this is, this is, I think, really important to, to recognize. The fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve, they eat this forbidden fruit, they disobey God, they listen to the, the serpent who is Satan, right? You've, you've got these people who are choosing to whom their allegiance is with. And Adam and Eve choose their allegiance not with God in his way. They choose it with Satan in his way. And what you see is that all of Adam's, you know, progeny after that, we're all born into a broken world, born of broken parents, and we're broken people. We, we just see this. This is reality. We, we're born into sin, and we choose sin. Adam and Eve chose to go, go that way. And Jesus makes a way for those who are born out of Adam's failure to be born again, a new birth, to be born as sons and daughters of God, 
in Jesus Christ, who Paul says is the new Adam. He's the new first man. And that those who put their faith in Jesus and trust in him, surrender to him, can be born as new people. This is where the term born again essentially comes from. The idea of being new children, born of Jesus Christ, born of the Spirit, rather than people who are Adam's descendants, who are slaves to sin, right? Like you see the contrast? And this is what's, this is just the last point I wanted to make before we move on to the rest of the chapter. We can be born again in Jesus. Born again by the Spirit, by putting our faith and our hope and our trust in Him and letting Him do a work in us that shifts our values through a process that will take your whole life to become more and more like those values, the values of Jesus Christ. And you and I can be a part of that today. We can choose that by faith and accept that. And you can do that right now if you've not done that before. Or you can recommit that right now if you need to. And we can do that by just asking Jesus to really come into our life and surrendering to him. And so if that's you, I just want to make a, an appeal right now. Just I invite you to do that. Take a moment. You might say, well, what do I say? There's no right or wrong say. You don't have to say the sinner's prayer or something. Just take a moment. Confess to Jesus. These, these are the things I've done wrong. I don't, I don't want that. I want you. Please do the work in me that I can't do and start there and find a Bible and find somebody. And if you'd like to do that, need some help, call in and we'll get you connected to somebody who can help you. But anyway, I think it's amazing. So let's continue on with the chapter, which is continues to be amazing. But that now you know a little bit of why that's my favorite passage in Scripture. Would you like to continue reading for us, Tash, from verse 12? Sure thing. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word, the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not ruined, not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Awesome. Mm. So there's some, there's some interesting stuff in this passage too. It's just, I mean, Paul has some amazing insights that the Holy Spirit gives him to write down. What do you make of this? He says, therefore, because of this, right? Therefore, my beloved. And I love that. I love that Paul calls the believers that he has brought to Jesus and that have been brought to Jesus by those he brought to Jesus. <laughs> he says, my beloved, right? Those that I love. Because this is how he feels about all those who have been entrusted to his care. He cares for them as, as individuals. It's not just a number. It's not just a statistic, which we can easily fall into the trap of thinking. Because when we think that way, it's sometimes it's just because it's about us, mm. right? Not that statistics don't matter, not that, like not that numbers don't matter, right? But like sometimes the numbers are about our ego and not about the people that are being saved. Mm. But it's not the attitude that Paul has. He cares about the individual as well. Yeah. And notice this: he says, "Hey, look, you you've always obeyed, right?" He's like, "You guys are," and I love that. He's like, "You guys, you guys understood. You did. You heard the word and you responded to it." And then he says, not only in my absence or not only in my presence, but even when I'm gone. And then he says this amazing statement, this, this statement that sometimes I think can make us question and be scared. But he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What do you make of that? 
Putting you on the spot. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> oh, I was stuck on the little bit before. But oh, it's all right. Make your point. Make your point. Oh. It's all right. We'll come back to my question. Okay, okay. It was just like not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. I just think sometimes, um, especially because I've just done some Christian summer camps, you can have some really good mountaintop experiences at, at these events. And when you leave, it's kind of you're on your own in your faith. Yeah, and Jesus. When Jesus was with them, they could, they could like, is Jesus? I can have you know direct contact with him. But it said even more so when now that I'm absent from you, like understand that you still have to obey, and I'm still like I still have a lot of love for you. Mm. Yeah, I just wanted to like just no, it's a great point. Yeah. It's a great point, right? Because what do you do when you're in the absence of the person who was the bedrock of your faith, right? Like, mm. how much of their faith was in Jesus? And how much of their faith was dependent upon Paul's faith in Jesus? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes we go, here's a spiritual leader in my life who has helped me so much. But our faith sometimes, and, and well-meaningly, but in error, errantly, we, we, we often put our faith in that person as the connection to Jesus. But, but you're not the connection that I need to Jesus. Jesus is the connection I need to Jesus. You can help me, yeah. and I can help you, but, but my faith should never be dependent upon anybody who is not Jesus. Mm. And so I, I really pick up what you're saying there, and which, which ties in perfectly with what he's saying, because he then says, so I'm telling you, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. Right? Because you can't just be saved on the basis of your heritage, right? Like it doesn't matter. And, and Paul writes about this. He says, you're not saved because you were born a Jew. It's not like, oh, I got a pass into God's kingdom. Mm. Boom, boom. Sorry. Right? He says, no, those, those who are physical Israel, physically related to Abraham, are not necessarily spiritual Israel, the ones who are in God's kingdom. And, and this is a powerful point because it doesn't matter if you, you, you were born in the church, you got church membership, you grew up a Christian. That doesn't guarantee you that you're in a saving relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Sometimes, in fact, because we falsely believe that membership equals a relationship with Jesus or something similar to that, we can fall into the trap of thinking we're sweet yeah. when we actually don't even know Jesus at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is not to, to like just frighten people or, or, you know, do anything like that. The, the, the point is sometimes we just are deceiving ourselves and he's saying, don't be deceived. Actually have a relationship with Jesus, a real one. Yeah. Work out your own salvation, salvation. right? Yeah. He's not saying save yourself. He's not saying that it's your merits that earn you. He's not saying any of that. That's dumb. That's nonsense. It's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that you have a role to play in your faith. Mm -hmm. You have to participate. You have to choose. God gives you, God graciously gives you that privilege to choose to enter into a saving relationship with Jesus or not. And by the way, you can back out of that at any time, right? Yeah. So he's saying choose. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You actually sit down and go before Jesus yourself and say, God, is this real? Am I, am I really in a relationship with you? Do I, do I really know you? Do I love you? Yeah. Hey, I, I messed up. I did some sins in my life, and I need to confess those to you. I'm sorry for that. I don't know how to change. Can you help me? It's called repentance, right? Like yeah. He says, you need to work this out. It's not, it's not because I'm part of the group I'm in or because I'm part of that prestige elite I'm in, right? I'm not saved because of my role as a pastor. I could be lost and you wouldn't, you might be surprised, but that could easily happen. You know what I mean? Because if I'm not careful to attend to my own relationship with Jesus, I can wind up thinking I've got a relationship with Jesus and putting 
putting him on the shelf and ignoring him and not listening when he's talking. Yeah. Whew. Whew. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to answer your question now about the fear and trembling. Oh, good. Sorry. No, no, no. Because it leads straight into it because we have to work out our own salvation. And there are some things that we're fearing that we're, we're not actually, we're not actually dealing with or, um, I read this quote the other day where it says, fear is what you put your power in. What, what you put your power in is what you fear. And God's asking us to fear Him because He wants us to put our power in Him. So if you're putting your fear in things like failure or trying to be perfect or trying to get it all right, being this new Christian, that is a mistake. Um, you're not putting your the power in the things that, that actually matter, the things mm. that are That's going to help you grow. And I, I know that for myself because I... I had a big fear of speaking, and here I am speaking. <laughs> Before I thousands of, of people <laughs> across the no. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's just, but it's just something that I had to, I had to work out. Yeah, I had to work out. I know who Jesus is in my life, but he's he keeps putting things and saying, "Hey, but believe in believe in the voice that I've given you. Believe in the things that I've put in your life, Whew. and be okay with articulating those things." And this is just my story. So, what is the story for you out there um, that is listening? Such a great Trying question. to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Um, I think everyone it just assumes we've got all of this worked out. But when we're wrestling with God and we're wrestling with these these things, because this is sinful things. We don't actually know. Um, it's a finite mind we have. We don't know what the infinite divine, like Jesus Christ, like Christ-like mind is 100% of the time, even though we read it and we seek it, but we don't know all the time. And so... Um, yeah, that's. I love that, right? And what, something I really love about that is, um, well, there was a few things, but one thing that really jumps out to me is, and this is a cliche thing to sing to, to say, but but it's not cliche. It might be cliche, but it's still true. It's a journey, mm-hmm. right? And it's so easy to say that and just to mean we just excuse things or we just blah blah blah. That's not what I mean. I mean that when when God called Abraham, He called him into a walk. Right, he said, "Go to a place that I will show you," and Abraham believed, right? And he started going. He didn't know where it was going to end up. And let me tell you something: I've been following Jesus for 15, 15 years. Maybe it's more than that. Seventeen to thirty-three. Do you do the math? I think it's almost sixteen now. Um, the journey has not been the same all the time, and some of the jer- parts of the journey have been very challenging, and some of them have been ecstatic. But I don't want the the journey that I had fifteen years ago. Because I didn't arrive, you know what I mean? Mm. And sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, I've arrived, right? But there's still so much more to go through with Jesus. And it just, it does get better. It doesn't always feel better all the time in each moment, but it does get better. It gets deeper. Mm. It gets more powerful as you continue to walk with him. I love that. It's a great point, Tash. A great point. One other thing before we go to a break, just briefly. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I just wanted to highlight that because notice who is responsible for you wanting this this shift. It's Jesus, mm-hmm. right? God is the one who is doing this. He, he's changing the desires and the wants, but he's also the one who's empowering you to actually do the actions that come out of that. And I love this. God wants to change us from the inside out into the person you thought, I could never be that. Mm-hmm into the person that you were made to be, the best version of you. And it starts with allowing him to get inside your values and start making shifts and changes so that your values match up with his values. This is Travis Cottrell, 
at the name of Jesus. that Jesus addresses in the gospel is, are you just going to look after yourself or are you going to look at people outside of yourself and to care for them? This week on Signs of the Times Radio. How do you navigate that when there is Mm. a willingness to cooperate from Mm. one side but there isn't from another side and then it gets Mm. complicated? Signs of the Times Radio on Faith FM. 
Check your schedules for airing times or listen to past episodes on the podcast page at faithfm.com.au. With angels ascending to heaven someday, I'm on the course to the Sarah Patterson. The Prime Minister says the federal government is still considering the future of JobSeeker. The unemployment benefit is due to be wound back from next month and revert to its regular rate of $40 a day. Business and welfare groups along with the opposition are calling for a permanent higher rate. Scott Morrison says the matter is being examined. These are matters we're still considering and when we're in a position to make a statement on those then we will. While new data from the tax office shows 500,000 businesses are still relying on JobKeeper, supporting 1.6 million workers, the wage subsidy will be scrapped from the end of next month. But a special stimulus package is likely to be rolled out to help industries which are still struggling to recover from the COVID downturn. Labor is accusing the federal government of ignoring the needs of the community to stay in power. The ABC reports Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton went against department advice when allocating funding. It's claimed money went to projects in a seat where there was a by-election. 
despite the department not recommending they be funded. The opposition's Christina Keneally says the Auditor-General needs to investigate. He had electoral considerations, not community safety considerations in mind when he made those decisions. That's what these documents suggest. The Auditor-General can get to the bottom of what was, if anything, the Minister's criteria in assessing these grants. In a statement, Mr Dutton said the suggestion the government has done anything other than support projects worthy of support is nonsense. Queensland will effectively close its border to travellers who have been to coronavirus risk areas in Melbourne. Victorians travelling to the Sunshine State will need to complete a border declaration from 1am local time Saturday. Two more cases of COVID have been linked to the Holiday Inn at Melbourne Airport, taking the cluster to 10. South Australia has relaxed its border rules for New South Wales and WA visitors. From midnight Saturday, travellers from those states will no longer be required to undergo mandatory COVID tests. The Adelaide Fringe, Warm Adelaide and the Adelaide International are scheduled to go ahead despite the snap closure of the Victorian border. Scientists are mapping the genetic sequences of koalas to protect the species from sickness and climate change. Lead researcher Professor Kathy Belov says that the Sydney University program will help scientists guard the marsupials from illness. So I think the power of genomics will be around improving the vaccination and protection of koalas from chlamydia, understanding disease resistance. Also making use, small and medium-sized hotels are being offered federal government funding for energy-saving projects. Powerful owls have been discovered for the first time in decades in the forests of Victoria's Mount Cole. And internal border restrictions in the US may be on the cards in an effort to fight the spread of COVID-19. The Biden administration is considering imposing domestic travel restrictions. This is Air News. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. He will take you by the hand, lead you to that promised land. Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? When you've strayed from the fold and there's trouble in your soul, can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? soul is lost in sin and you're at your journey's end can't you hear the blessed savior calling you calling you calling you calling you calling you can't you hear the blessed savior calling you he will take you by the hand lead you to that promised land can't you hear the blessed savior calling Blessed Savior. 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, what time is it? Oh, oh, oh. whoa! <laughs> there was uh, some unintentional distortion it on that track, wasn't there? It sounded like, yeah, it sounded spacey. Sorry for anybody uh, that was a bit of a surprise or a shock to. Anyway. Um, Question of the week, in case you couldn't understand through the... Question of the week. (laughs) (laughs) So it's come that time for question of the week. So we're super excited. We've got a question to answer from Margie. Would you like to read that question out for us, Tash? The question from Margie is, please explain what Philippians 1 verse 28 means when it says proof of perdition. Proof of perdition. So what we might do is we might read the verse. Um, Have you got that there or shall I read? So Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 28. But we're, we're, in order to make the most sense of it, I think we should read 27 and 28. Okay. From 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Okay, so so basically the, the, the statement that he's making is, he says, let your conduct, your behavior, your actions um, be such that it is worthy of the good news of Jesus. And then he talks about standing fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so this is the point that is the proof. The proof that is of perdition to the adversaries and of salvation to the believers is the same thing. And that thing is faithfulness to the gospel truth in the midst of persecution. And so that thing is an evidence or a proof of something. So the next question is, so dealing with Margie, your question particularly is, what does proof of perdition mean? So the first thing to ask is, what is the word perdition? Uh, you You got something for me there, Tash? I'm putting you on the spot again. Um, you can say no. Perdition uh, means destruction. Boom, you're on to it. Okay, so perdition is destruction. And so there's a contrast. So the, the evidence of the faithfulness of the believers in the midst of persecution is an evidence of salvation to the believers and is at the same time an evidence of destruction for the persecutors. Right, the adversaries of the gospel, right there. So, so to illuminate that a little bit more, hopefully, the idea here that is being presented is that the faithfulness of the Christians in the midst of persecution. So, for example, you have people who are martyred, and they're still faithful to Jesus. They're they're not recanting of their faith or going back on their faith. They're also exhibiting the love of Christ in the midst of that persecution. This is an evidence of 
of supernatural power, essentially. This is an evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work because they've been transformed in that moment to be able to to withstand as an as a as a a reflection of Jesus, so to speak, in such a way that this evidences that the Holy Spirit is working with them. And at the same time, that's an evidence whether the people who are the adversaries or the persecutors, whether they realize it or not, this is an evidence of their destruction because it's an, because it's an evidence that, that they are working against the Holy Spirit of God. Does that make sense? Um, here's a great comment from a commentary just to, just to finally seal that up a little bit. Um, it says, even though their adversaries don't perceive or acknowledge it, the fact that the church is unterrified is an evidence of the future destruction of their enemies. It shows that the Christians are supported by supernatural power and implies that the opponents will eventually be called into judgment on account of their persecuting activities. Punishment for the wicked and consolation or comfort for the righteous are both prefigured or or explained in advance in the relation of the Christian to his adversaries, is what it says in this commentary. And I think it's a great point. So hopefully that's helpful to you, Margie. So perdition is destruction, and the proof of dis- the, the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in the believer's under persecution to still be representing Christ and be faithful is an evidence of their salvation and the destruction of their enemies that is to come. Um, Unless they, of course, repent, in which case they could be saved as well. So hopefully that's helpful to you. We pray that that blesses you. And uh, with the remaining portion of our time, we might get back into the rest of the, we'll see if we can get a little bit more of this chapter underway. Um, So let's keep reading from verse 19 through 24 of Philippians chapter 2, that is. Okay. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with, with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Awesome. So who's Paul trying to send? Or who's he saying that he wants to send to the Philippian church to comfort them? So he tells us it's Timothy. Timothy. Now notice what he says here. He says something interesting. He says, because, I want to send Timothy to you because I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. In other words, he's saying, look, there's, there's nobody else who has this 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 burden for you like I do. So what I want to do is I want to send to you Timothy. Now, Timothy was a, a, a young man who was a believer in Jesus and who was an associate of Paul. And I love what he says here about Timothy because he says, look, he says, you know, right? He says, everybody else is seeking their own and not the things which are of Jesus, but you know Timothy's proven character, Right? that as a son with his father, he served with me in the good news or the gospel. He says, so that's why I'm hoping to send him to you because, because here's a guy who gets it. He's fully invested. And he says, he, he will care for you because he worked with me like a son would work with his father. He was fully on board. And he says, that's why I want to send him to you because he gets it and he'll actually care for you. Because he says, there's other guys, there's other guys that I could try and connect up, but they're imposters. They only care about themselves. They're unwilling to do the work, right? It's a, it's a hectic statement, isn't it? It is. 
it's, it's it's also being very honest though, isn't it? Yeah. Because you know, like Paul you doesn't would, pull you a lot know, of punches. Yeah, definitely. That's why we love Paul. It's, it's one of the reasons that we are also probably avoiding Paul at times. <laughs> no, it's it's amazing. But what I love, I I heard something today that on this topic that I thought was really profound. Paul gives some examples of people who are being like-minded with Jesus, and Timothy is one of them. Here's an example being lived out that's somebody on that path. doesn't mean Timothy did it perfectly or anything. It just means he was on that path. And so he gives Timothy, and Timothy's an example. And uh, one more example is about to come, and that's the example of Epaphroditus, uh, which is a fun name to say. But um, we'll come back to that that example after the break. Um, but I just, I just love to that Paul does this. Paul is not just about tooting his own horn, but he builds up someone else and he gives him an affirmation in the sight of the believers before he sends them to give them that encouragement and direction. This is Dave Bilbrow. May my life declare the honor of your name Reveal the heart of Christ who came To light the darkest place with sacrificial love Course me, Lord To reach out and find His name To glorify the Lamb once slain To light the darkest place With sacrificial love Christ is King for the glory of God. May my life declare the honor of your name. Reveal the heart of Christ who came to light the darkest place with sacrificial love. me, Lord, to reach out in the Father's name, to glorify the Lamb once slain, to light the darkest place with sacrificial love. Jesus Christ is King for the glory of
with sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. Sorry about that little buzzing noise. We had a little bit of technical difficulties there. But um, we've come to the last portion of our show, and we're just going to try and finish off the chapter before we close. So let's... Let's have a read there from verse 25 to the end. Okay. Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and he was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may less, I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So, what can we draw out of that? What's he talking about? This man has got a very hard name. Okay, Epaphroditus. Yeah, we'll call him Epi. That's fine. Epi. <laughs> Whatever works. It's a Epi. dead language. Nobody knows how it was originally Epi-pen. spoken. <laughs> My friend Epi. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Okay, I got you too I'm distracted. Sorry. sorry. All right. So <laughs> something something that's great here is, again, Paul Paul is looking at somebody as an example, and he says, hey, look, I can't send you Timothy just yet. I'm, I want to send Timothy to you. I'm hoping that I'll be out of prison and able to come visit you soon. I trust that that will be the case, but it may not be. So what I am going to do is I'm going to send this letter to you by the hand of Epaphroditus. And um, he calls him my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. He says, but you're a messenger. And then he, he speaks up what he's doing. He says, look, I, you guys sent me a gift, and that's, that's been amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you for that, right? But he says, what, what you couldn't do with that gift, Epaphroditus did with his life. He came and supported physically what finances could not do to help the situation. Because they'd sent a gift, right? And so he's like talking about this experience, and then he uses him as another example. And he says, "Hey, look, this guy came came close to the point of dying for the sake of the good news of Jesus." And he says, "Essentially, this is an example of what I'm talking about. You know, Timothy's proven his character, but here's Epaphroditus. Here's someone else who has has the same mind of Jesus." being put into him by the Holy Spirit. And he says, look, you can see it evidenced because it's worked itself out into his life. And I love this because he's using these examples, which makes it really tangible, doesn't it? Because Jesus is like the example that's so far above and beyond anything that I will ever achieve, right? And rightly so, he's God in the flesh. But at the same time, it's important to know that the journey is not a journey that's unachievable because Epaphroditus is walking that journey. He hasn't arrived, he's but he's on the journey with Jesus and you can see it evidence and he was willing to he was willing to even lose his life if necessary for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. And that service is an example that says, "Hey, people are on the journey and that can be a help to me." And this is one of the things that I think is really profound about you know the purpose of Christian community and fellowship is that we need one another. There are times where we go through experiences, we think, how can we survive this? And then we see someone that God has brought through that. 
and it encourages us to keep holding on and to keep journeying with God on that walk. Um, when you see somebody who's survived through addiction and God has rescued them, or you see somebody who's who's survived through a broken family and God has rescued them, or somebody who has survived through depression and suicidality, you know, by by the grace of God through that as well. Like you see people survive these things. And it gives you hope and encouragement to continue the walk. And I think that this is one of the main reasons, one of the many reasons, I should say, that God invites us into Christian community. And I love that Paul's doing that here. He's saying, look, this is the mind of Jesus. Because this is who Jesus is, therefore, this is how it ought to impact your values, your attitudes, and your actions. And here are some examples of people who are on that journey. Be encouraged. Learn from them not because they're perfect and they've arrived, but because they're also on the journey and we can help each other. And I love that. I think that's a great application out of this. What are some other applications we can draw from our study today, just in short? I just like how we've come to the end and we started with um, Christian community and unity and what that looked like. Whew, I didn't even Jesus. see that. That's a great question. Yeah, and it's just beautiful that Paul is just reminding us right at the end. Gives us the character of Christ in the, in, in the center of um, Philippians two, but then comes back to the like-mindedness and how we're not on we're not on this journey alone. Mm. That when we do, yeah, when we do come in in, in Christian community, we are able to um, help each other, help each other in in the struggle that is that is the realness that is life, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's a great point. That's and, a great and point. to show as well, like um, Timothy was a young guy, um, but Epaphroditus was a soldier, so. Mm. Um, again, you can be at any stage of your life and also be in in communion with others in journeying with Christ. I love that. It's a great point. I really loved, um, there's so much that I love from this chapter, but I think I think for me the, the main thing is let the same mind be in you that was in Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. Yep. And that's that's a journey. Like your values don't shift overnight. You don't just go, okay, all my values and my deep-seated beliefs that are down core deep just all change today, right? Like it's a process. It's a process of allowing God in and allowing him to do the work so that by his grace and his influence, we can will to do his good pleasure and actually do it. Mm. Um, and that's a process of a lifetime, but that's the process that God wants us to be on with him. It's a walk. And I just want to invite all of you an opportunity to just – Say to Jesus today, like if that's where you're at and you want to say, hey, God, I, I'd like that idea. When I look at the person of Jesus and I see his character as explained in this passage of Scripture, I think it's the most compelling thing that, that I've ever encountered in my entire life. It's the most compelling thing. Jesus is the most compelling character in human history. He's the most compelling character in, in any literature, you know, anything. And this is the Jesus that I want to know and love and to serve and to follow because he loves me and he loves you. And so if you want to be on that journey with Jesus, a journey of real faith, I just invite you to just to invite him into your heart today and just to say, I want to go on that journey. Ask what the next steps are and just really connect with him because that's what it's all about. So may God bless you and keep you. And remember that real faith is live Good faith. faith. <laughs>